You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hey y'all, Lisa Cherney here. Welcome to the next episode. <laughs> For every, maybe this is your first episode, but welcome to the next episode of the Get Fucking Real Show. And I want to kick you off with this question. Do you utilize the tool of gratitude regularly in your life? And when I first started talking about gratitude with the guest, I was kind of like a little jaded. I feel like it's sort of boring and overused and like, yeah, 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 we all know gratitude is great. I am reborn with my belief in the power of gratitude and how it really transforms us. And I share in this episode a little bit about how I was sort of using it on a day-to-day basis. And our guest really grounded me in it. And his story is amazing. His name is Carl Stabe, and he has this cool company called Dig to Fly. And the idea is that we need to dig deep to fly high. And he has had quite a sordid journey as many of our guests. I love, I love here on the GFO show that trauma and struggle is normal. I hope that you see that if your life has those things in it or had those things in it leading up till now, that you're destined for great things because all of our show guests have done amazing things um, with those things as their launching pad. In fact, Carl, when he was 24, he wrote a book called 92 Things to Do Besides Suicide. I know, right? I mean, it's just like, wow. And super creative uh, project. And, but you could see like there was a, not a cry for help, but, but an acknowledgement of a struggle there. And you know, we've had many of our guests talk about uh, their attempts at suicide, and that has not, that was not part of Carl's experience. And I wonder if writing this book, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a gratitude list in a way. So he's just a cool dude, father of two, talks about, you know, a period of time where he was both diagnosed with cancer and laid off his job within like a two-year period. And then really how his dealing with his father's death led to his like kind of newly formed relationship with gratitude. So he wrote the book called Bring Gratitude. And now he helps train people on his dig to fly method, which by the way, if you are a GFR squad member for all, for, if you don't know it, if you're a GFR squad member, you get bonus videos from each of our speakers teaching good shit. (laughs) And um, Carl walks me through, like I'm the guinea pig. He walks me through his dig to fly mental model, which is y'all it's, it's good shit. It's really good. I mean, I've, you know, I, and as many of you have been around a lot of good things that help us look at our inner game and our beliefs, but I think you'll really get a kick out of um, me as the guinea pig. And I actually, one of the, what I do um, dig into is some struggle I'm having around um, supporting my mom in her cancer journey. So if you're in the, if you're not a member of the squad, I would love for you to join us so we can be more connected and be on our GFR journey in a deeper way. That's more sort of interactive, you know, not, not just one way, but two ways. If you're interested, go to gfr.life forward slash squad. 
and it's just 20 bucks a month. And I would just love to see you there. All right. So Carl Stabe is going to renew your faith in the tool of gratitude. And I can't wait for you to meet him without further ado. Hello, Carl Stabe. Welcome to the GFR show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm really excited too. I love your whole dig to fly thing. And I remember when I first read it, I was like, what? (laughs) And then I like saw the longer version that you have to dig deep to fly high. And I was like, oh yes, yes, yes. I get it now. (laughs) So that was really awesome. And so I always really appreciate talking with a man who is just super connected with their emotions and like on a for sure personal development you know self-actualization journey and uh you're you know no exception to that and it's fun is i don't know you that well and so i'm gonna be like on this adventure of the story with you (laughs) sometimes i kind of know the story and i'm just kind of walking along with the person as they tell it to my listeners but i'm kind of excited to get to know you better and hear your story Yeah. So welcome to the show. (laughs) I'm excited because I think you're right. Like, you know, whenever you have a story that's different and has the interviewer on their toes, it can make for a really fun interview. Yes, I agree. I agree. So let me just give like a kind of hint at where we're going for our listeners. So you wrote a book called Bring Gratitude, and it was really inspired and followed the death of your father in 2016. And that was a huge turning point for you. But I want, I want to like rewind, right, the story and go back in time to before, you know, gratitude and that whole was even a thing for you. Because gratitude is one of those things that is so fucking powerful and almost overused. It's like, it's talked about so much that it could feel old or it could sort of like go in one ear and out the other, but it is so extraordinarily powerful. I mean, I have a journal that I use and it's not a gratitude journal, but it looks at the evidence of that, like the evidence around me that things are, you know, going in the direction that I want them to go. It's like, it's sort of like a retrospective of, good shit that happened (laughs) that day or, you know, which is all, it's all gratitude. Right. And it's so, it's so powerful and it has applications, very wide applications, depending on your spiritual path, your personal path, your healing path. And so I wanted to kind of start just with the acknowledgement of that. And then sort of like take our listeners back to before you were, you know, the person who wrote bring gratitude, but is there anything you want to add before we do that? Yeah, uh, gratitude is so powerful and a little research behind it. There's so much science behind it. And it's just why everybody talks about it because it works. It really <laughs> helps you. But what's cool about gratitude is it can release dopamine and serotonin, which help balance out your moods. And one of the dopamine is the get up and go chemical that's released by your brain. And serotonin is that everything's okay, buddy. Stay calm. Life is okay. (laughs) No lions (laughs) tracking you down and not going to eat you. But I think why it works is you take the time to pause. And this is where I think gratitude gets a maybe even underutilized is it helps you pause and say, no, 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 wait a second take stock of life in this moment because we are in a fast paced world and environment. And if we don't slow down and really take the time to enjoy it, it's going to go by so fast. And we're going to be like, what the fuck happened to us? We are overloaded. I've got too much going on. And now I feel like I've missed out on the past 20 years. And that's what gratitude does. It helps kind of bring you back to that present moment. So true. Really, really true. And I, I can't help but think about 2020 when it comes to the idea of slowing down because I feel like it just gave the whole world a massive pause that for me personally was profound. Did you find that to be the case as well? Oh, yeah. It's why I started my website. It's why I made the shift from 
teaching people and training people on gratitude to something that was a little more defined and had a process behind it. And it was because I, I dug deep and I was like, you know, at home with the kids, my wife was here too. Now it's just me and the boys, my wife's a counselor. So she went back to school, but the reflection time has multiplied because you can't go and distract yourself as much. And I purposely have limited my distractions, less TV time, less Netflix time, uh, more journaling. And what I came out of it was like, oh, I I have things I really want to accomplish. And if if I really want to accomplish those, then I need to do a better job of getting my message out there. And like you said, everybody's talking about gratitude. So if I tried to brand myself as the gratitude guy or you know, the guy that helps you teach your employees gratitude, then I'm going to be stuck with, you know, 28 other thought leaders. And that's when I I made that switch to dig the fly, which gratitude is a component of it, but there's also other parts that help you get to that spot. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you weren't always the gratitude guy or the dig to fly guy. You were a depressed 20 year old, (laughs) which- I laugh because I feel like, is that the definition of being 20? I don't know. It's just, it's, you know, I don't know. It's teenagers, anxiety, depression is into, I don't know. But I I like to normalize mental illness and trauma on the GFR show, because I feel like so many of us that are, that are up and for big things start out with those kinds of struggles. And so, yeah, so take us back to where we feel like we're the breadcrumbs that led you to where you are now. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, life is fucking hard. It's so hard, <laughs> no matter how you slice it, no matter how great a parents you have, no matter how much money you have. So I have some friends who are millionaires and they are just grumpy a lot, not all of them, but a bunch of them. It's like, more, more, more. And I think that's, it's so hard to retrain our brain if we don't have the right tools. And that's where my journey started. I mean, I remember back in college, falling into depression and wore the same shirt for like three days as this white gross shirt and just didn't even think about changing it. My roommates were like, yeah, you stink, buddy. Like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you like taking care of yourself? And it was just a a little mini wake up call that still was just one little blip on the radar, but it added up. And then when, uh, you know, happened again in my mid twenties, I wrote a book called 92 things to do besides suicide. And yeah, that's a powerful title. (laughs) I took a picture of myself just doing weird and crazy stuff because it's it was winter time, less light. I had no girlfriend. I was 24, 25, and I was a mess. And so I needed an outlet. I needed a purpose. And that was what I did I because inst- my job wasn't doing it for me. Um, and so I started creating something. And one was uh, example is like, I take Vaseline and dip cotton balls in the Vaseline and stick it to my face. And I took a picture of that. Uh, One was make soap art. And it was just everyday stuff that you could do, but it was me processing these feelings and kind of going back to, you know, me being a, a modern male trying to deal with this stuff but not having a lot of tools because when I was growing up, I I'm, was born in 76. So I grew up in the eighties and nineties and I didn't know what to do with these, with this, my anger, with my frustration. I remember playing tennis and getting so upset that I threw my racket over the fence into the field because I didn't know how to process my emotions. And this was all the way into man, mid thirties. I mean, it got better as I aged. I think the testosterone (laughs) eased up on me as well, but it was this overwhelming 
feeling. And so that was where I was like, okay, I need some help. I saw a therapist. Uh, I started really researching different books. Uh, I found uh, How to uh, Win Friends and Influence by uh, Friends by Dale Carnegie, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And I just went down Sid Hartha uh, by Herman Hess, all these books that really helped say, okay, what are you doing and why are you doing these things? And that's when I really started to dig deep and I didn't really have a, a, a process in place, but it really helped me open up. And then uh, I remember having cancer in 2010. All right, so let's, pa let's pause on the cancer yep. part. Okay, yep. so I just wanna yep. ask you, so I wanna ask a couple questions. So first of all, 92 things to do besides suicide. I it's creepy, but I fucking love it. <laughs> and it's so real and raw. And I think you should do something with that now. I don't know if you've done anything with it recently, but I think that I think it's, it's time for something. Yeah. I don't know. So that's my marketing hat. Sorry. I couldn't help myself. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I love, it and it's, it's fun. And I mean, now it's like, that could be a YouTube channel. I mean, that could be, that could be so many different things. Cause I know my daughter watches people do stupid things all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally resonate with that, like the young person that doesn't know what to do with feelings. And I, you know, and I love that you said life is fucking hard. Doesn't matter if you've had great parents or not, you know, like I, I had pretty good parents. They've grown up a lot <laughs> since I was a kid. And I like to joke about that, but I feel like we, in a lot of ways, we grew up together, but I, I don't remember them teaching me how to deal with emotions. I don't remember them teaching me how to cope with life. Like I have these vivid memories of like storming out of my house and walking up the street. It's like clear as day. I lived in New Jersey at the time. So it was like brisk and cold. And I remember just walking up the street kind of like, like where was I even going? I don't even know where I was going, but it was just that feeling of what do I even do with this? What do I do with these feelings? What do I, you know, how do, how do I process things? And I know that I really focus a lot on that with my kid. How about you? You have two sons. Do you feel like you're giving them what you didn't have as a kid in terms of helping them deal with their emotions? Trying. Yes. It is a ever evolving process with my son is 11 and my youngest is six. So both of them have this age gap where one's starting to like wanting to be his own person, but you know, doesn't have the confidence yet. And a lot of, when he gets angry, he breaks down and wants to cry about it. And my dad would have been like, shut up. There's nothing to cry about. <laughs> and I am, okay, like what's going on? And what I try to do is a model asking questions and getting, um, helping him understand what's going on. And so it's funny because I still struggle with this myself, right? Like I, uh, my wife had COVID. Uh, I thought I did and I uh, got tested negative twice. But I mean, we drove in the same car while she got tested. Well, I started having a panic attack and it wasn't until, so like I've been meditating for quite a few years now on a regular basis. I've done yoga. Uh, well, another thing was working. And it's funny because, you know, I, I've been doing the dig to fly method now with my clients for a few years and I'm still a skeptic at heart. I still am like, okay, is this going to work? So I did the dig to fly method on myself while having a panic attack. And it was the redirection of my focus is what is, is what it's all about. And I think that's the thing with life is we can do so many great things if we have the right perspective. And so with my sons, like I try to ask these questions. And so one time my son was really upset about his math. And so I was like, okay, I'm giving him advice. Stop it. He's not listening to me. He's 11. He doesn't want me to tell him what to do. So I, I just went to the dig the fly method and I asked him the first question, went through the series and it worked. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, it was him processing this and figuring out the next step versus me. Cause I know I'm 44. I can tell him what to do, but that's not what he needs. And that's not what most people need. 
they need somebody to help them, a guide to walk them through their emotions. And so coming back to your, your question is yes, it's like, but it's what's really important is me noticing it because I will get angry that he's not pausing and taking the time to slow down. And I'm like, no, that's exactly what I did when I was 11. And so just trying to give them those questions is what helps them pause and think instead of staying angry. Yeah, yeah. I was not a, I didn't really enjoy parenting like an infant or a toddler, but I really, I'm like made for a parent, a teenager. <laughs> like <laughs> I could talk with her and we could, you know, like she, she gets it. And, and then she, of course she gives it back to me sometimes. Mom, is that what you want to manifest? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> There's going to be a line. It's that hour of the day, mom. Is that what you want to manifest? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've gotten to that part yet where they start giving it back to you, but it's, it's like proud and demoralized. It's a proud moment and a demoralizing moment right at the same time. <laughs> You're like, wow, they're getting smart and they're turning the tables on me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually, you know, it's actually quite fabulous when she does that. It's, it's really, really awesome. So that's great that you're, you know, we want to do things differently than our parents, you know, in ways that we can identify. And so I, I was just curious to hear how you work with your sons with it and, yeah, for sure. Asking questions, right. And having them come to their own conclusions. And we all need guides. Like, you know, I have coaches and the people that I coach are coaches and, you know, we just, we all, we're just too close to it sometimes, you know? So yeah. uh, we're going to, for our GFR squad members, we're going to go through your dig to fly method. So I'm super excited about that. So y'all, if you aren't a member of the GFR squad, you want to hang out with me more, it's 20 bucks a month. Just a little, just a little skin in the game <laughs> to, to have you show up to our monthly um, community calls. And we use the GFR commandments as our sort of our discussion points. And then every speaker does a, a bonus for the GFR squad. So we're going to, I'm excited about going through your dig to fly method with the GFR squad. So PSA for GFR squad over. Okay. So you're in your thirties and you write 92 things. No, you're 24 when you wrote 92 things to do besides suicide. But at that point, you're really recognizing that I need to There's something that I need to, there's like actions I need to take. There's something that I need to do differently. And you started like looking into books and you know, getting up underneath, you know, things that you sounded like were just not on your radar before that. Oh, you said you got a therapist. Did you have any resistance to that, to, to go and getting a therapist or how did you, how did you come to that decision? Was it a big deal or no big deal or? Uh, just talking to family members and yeah, cause it kind of was, cause I think my dad was never ever go see a therapist, especially for dealing with feelings and, um, uh, that, that type of stuff. But I think just, you know, talking with some, you know, kind of forward thinking friends, uh, my mom, and I realized like, I just needed somebody to help give me some tools. And, uh, and so that's when, and some of the trepidation was like, well, how much is it going to cost? And insurance, uh, it was great. I think that, you know, this was in the early 2000s and it was, you know, $5 copay for to see a therapist, which probably is like $50 now, but it was, it was a little bit challenging, but it, the pain was greater and I needed to, I needed to act Otherwise, I felt like I could go down that suicidal path and it's not where I wanted to head. So you did never got to the point where you had tried to commit suicide? No. I felt, uh, I remember being so upset after meeting with my dad. We went to a bar, had a couple of beers and I was so caught up in my head and I was driving on the road that I lived on and I completely missed the turn. And as that was happening, it was too late. I was looking ahead, but I, could, I was raging so much that I couldn't see the road. I was just so angry with life and, you know, everything. And I lost control of the car and I flipped my car over one and a half times and landed wow. on my roof. Yeah. And oh, oh my God. 
that was another little wake up call that really took a while to sink in. But that's when I was like, oh, wow. Like, I don't feel like I have a purpose, a reason for living. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, I need to, I need to focus on something. I need to make something because I love designing. I love making things and I love constructing courses and books and if I don't have a project, I feel like something's missing in my life. So then what happened? Uh, in that, well, that's, uh, so I flipped over one and a half times. Uh, I ran home and called a tow truck and the tow truck called the cops and the cops came and found, you know, uh, matched my license plate with where I lived and came and basically got me and, uh, and then, you know, took me in and uh, for blood work. So I ended up getting a DUI. Um, I got expunged I, I, from my record. I don't know if that even is possible anymore, but back then it was. And then, you know, I got help. I went to uh, counseling, uh, group counseling. And so, you know, that another thing too is like, you know, I, I, I got help there. Um, and eventually after that, so about 15 years later, I stopped drinking. So it took me another 15 years to figure out that alcohol made things worse for me. And so I've been sober for four and a half years. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was gonna, I was curious about that. You know, so many of us that have suffered from anxiety or depression that we use something, you know, to cope for me, it was food, you know, and I was curious if, you know, when that entered, when did that, I think sobriety for a lot of us thought leaders enters our sobriety in whatever form, whether it's shopping or eating or alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever. I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a point of sobriety for, for many of us that are on a path where we're, we're really meant to be helping others, you know? So it's like, we need a GFR, <laughs> you know, you know, GFR about what is in our way, you know, which is what the 12 GFR commandments are all about. It's like, okay, what is, what is in our way? Where are we not speaking our truth? Where are we, you know, where are we going unconscious? So I really applaud you for, you know, even though it took what it took, um, that it wasn't the DUI, <laughs> um, but it, you know, it took what it took for you to just to, to decide like that, this is not helping things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for me, it, and I want to, I want to add probably Netflix into that list of vices. Yes. Um, you know, we, we try to numb ourselves and we try to do it in many ways. And the brain in, and ego are very tricky and slick. And if you're not aware, and this is where what's so important is building your awareness, understanding what's going on, why are you making choices, and not just going on autopilot. Because that's when, for me, when life really started coming alive and being much more enjoyable, because I actually uh, lived it instead of trying to numb it. Beautiful. That's amazing. And so I think that brings us till around till up around the time of your father's death. It sounds looks like you got sober pretty shortly after that, if I'm yeah. my math. Yes. Well, my... if we can go back, so back in 2011 yeah. or 2010. Yes. I oh, yeah. Cancer. Sorry. Cancer. <laughs> cancer. <laughs> I so apologize. Everyone's like, what about the cancer? Okay. <laughs> So yeah, so two, 2010, 2011, so to take us there, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like in corporate America, right? Like you have a, you're, yep. you're working a job you hate, I think. In marketing, was what yep. you I hated it. Yeah. Yep, it was uh, awful. The CEO was, was, was really uh, much to be desired. Uh, she would find certain people and pick on them. I was one of those people. And the only reason I probably didn't lose my job sooner was probably because of the cancer. I think she felt guilty, you know, like, mm. well, I, well, now I can't let him go, which is oh, awful geez. to say, but it was true. And uh, then that's when I started kind of really getting um, depressed and sad again. And then I got laid off and I just... Man, I, I had no focus. I didn't, you know, I had a, my oldest now who's 11 was uh, 
about two years old at the time. And uh, so I started. So you, had a, so you, so you recovering from cancer, got laid off, and uh, had a two-year-old at the time. Yeah, that sounds That's like it. a really good reason to be depressed to me. I don't. I, don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes and no. And I think there was so much good in my life too. And mm -hmm. I think that's where the gratitude practice really pays off because I knew, I started a company called Work Happy Now and uh, I knew through all my research that gratitude was powerful. And I taught gratitude in my workshops, but I didn't utilize it as much as I should in my own life. And so I then started keeping a gratitude journal. It kind of came and went and it wasn't until my dad in 2016 when I just started I, I remember going into the ICU uh, hospital room and he was uh, tied to tubes and monitors oh I live in Texas he was living in Pennsylvania so I flew up because my mom's like okay he just went into the ICU and like almost didn't make it and he was this big strong German, like big biceps and forearms from being an electrician. And he was just flabby and kind of soft like a baby. And I was like, whoa, like this isn't, this doesn't feel real. Like I remember him, you know, we had a little above ground pool. Uh, he'd swat bees that would kind of come and nest at the pool. And he was allergic to them and he didn't care. Like his hand would puff up. And I was like, this this mentality, right? Like you see where I, I have struggled with my own emotions and, and how it's, this has been a journey for me. But I, I realized then I was like, I love the things that he taught me, you know, discipline, hard work, you know, uh, staying consistent, loving your family. But there were so many things that he taught me that didn't benefit me, you know, power through Carl, like hard work, discipline. Hard, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same things right? that benefit like, you don't benefit you, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's in life, we have that too. Like a glass of red wine is fine if you can do that, but a lot of people can't. And then you have to make that choice, right? So I think looking at, you know, his life and looking at who I wanted to be and what I wanted to become it was that fork in the road. And I remember opening up my phone and I just started listing all the things I was grateful for about him. And it was, it's many, many things, but also grateful for the things that I, uh, that I didn't like about him as well, because it showed me things that I knew that I needed to work on myself. I had anger issues, especially I was, I learned from him as you know, you get one warning and then you explode. And sometimes there wasn't even one warning. I remember uh, it was just the other day I was reading my a book uh, to my son about dinosaurs. And I remember Ankylosaurus, that one with the big plate and the ball and had the ball on the end. Yes. And I loved that dinosaur. And I, I remember it was because he felt safe, right? Like who, what dinosaur could pierce through that armor and I didn't feel safe as a kid. And mm. I remember getting mad at my son. So my youngest was a baby at the time. So Gavin was like five and a half, the oldest. And the, the baby was crying and I was trying to like, uh, I was home alone. So I didn't have help from my wife. And so Gavin, like, you know, just as I was getting the baby to sleep, he came in the door and was like, Bubba, what about this? Or I need this. And then the baby started crying. I remember I got so mad at my son and he started crying. He left. And I was like, wow, like that was exactly what my father would have done. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that. And I, and I thought about that moment when he was there in that bed. And that's when I started just things I was grateful for things that I could learn from. Um, and that's what the gratitude practice taught me is you can be grateful for anything because anything that you go through is a chance to learn and grow from. And that's that growth mindset. And if we can cultivate that, if we can build that, um, then we can really do the things that we're meant to do and do it in a, in a fun and passionate way 
which is hard because we get scared and we don't want to, you know, try these things and fail. But when we realize that failure is another thing to be grateful for, because it helps us, it helps us learn and grow. And I think that is life and so beautiful. And even this, that's where, to me, the struggles are just fantastic because they're just sensations that you can watch and you can learn and you can be amazed by a butterfly, but you can also be amazed by your anger and, you know, just because it's a part of your life and you can see the, I mean, lately I've been noticing, I can feel the anger building and then I just stop and I just watch and feel it instead of acting on it. And then it dissipates. And then that is just a, a beautiful practice, but it takes practice. It takes, it's taken me time and I'm still not perfect at it, but that's the stuff that if hopefully if anybody's out there and I, is one thing that you can really try and, and l learn and do is create a practice for yourself. Create some mental models that you can try, like keeping a gratitude journal, asking yourself questions on a daily basis to dig a little bit deeper. Because for me, when you dig deep, that's where the diamonds are. Um, and I like to call them diamonds because I think they're just, they're usually filled with coal and it just maybe a little bit shines out. But if you can chip away at that stuff and you can see the beauty in that feeling, any feeling, that's when life just starts to help. That's when you fly high. That's when you kind of like, oh, like nothing can bother me to the extent that it once did because now I have the tools to be able to process this stuff. You're like that dinosaur. Yes, exactly. I really appreciate, you know, just the, the whole emphasis on struggle and the gifts in it. And obviously that's what the GFR show is all about. You know, every single guest is sharing, you know, their before and after story and, you know, really what the purpose of it, you know, what, what they feel like it all was for. And so I'm like totally a, a super fan of what you're talking about. And I'm so like happy that you are out there spreading the word about it because it doesn't cost anything to be grateful. You know, it doesn't take that much time. It doesn't take a degree. It's, you know, it's something that is so readily available all the time. And I, and I really love how you talk about, it brings you to the present moment, which is uh, just always been a foundational, not always, but is a main the foundational tool for me in my personal development. It is a big tool in my bag of tricks because you always have that too. You could always get to the present moment. You could always come to the present moment. You could always be grateful. There's so many simple things that are readily available to us that we freaking forget <laughs> when we yep. need it. You know, it's like when you were talking about the anger, I was going to ask you, was there ever a time where you were afraid of the anger, like afraid of feeling it, afraid of like uh, really like leaning into it or, you know, giving into it because of what you grew up with your dad. Oh, yeah, that's where the numbness comes in. You start to, you go to alcohol, um, you get tired of, of trying to deal with it. So you watch, you binge Netflix for three hours, you go, you know, out and you try to, you know, find entertainment out in the world, which right now with COVID, we don't really have that ability, but it's just another way to distract yourself. Um, and that's where I think meditation is so important because if you can take that time, notice what's going on, understand what thoughts and what thoughts are creating the emotion then you can start to see the patterns. And those patterns is when you can start to like pause and stop, ask yourself some really good questions and allow yourself to process it. And then, you know, that anger, if you truly feel it for 90 seconds, it doesn't have the strength to, to last. It usually goes away. But if you push it away, it goes into your subconscious and then it comes raging out like a T-Rex, you know, trying to like eat and stomp on whatever it can just to get fed. Yeah. Dinosaur metaphor is definitely perfect for, the, for what we're talking about. <laughs> My nerdness coming out, right? <laughs> I love it. So 
you got, well, you had the cancer and then you got laid off and that really, you know, triggered, you know, like sort of another sort of, or an awareness about not wanting to be in another spiral. And then your father's death in 2016, which um, reminded you about your appreciation for gratitude. And, and so for the entrepreneurs that are, that are listening and watching, can you take us through the part of your story, which was like, went from having a job to starting your own business. And then I think you had a, a few different businesses before you landed on where you are now. And, and again, kind of weave in for us, like how would you learned from the, you know, the, those challenges really you've applied to not only the work, the dig to fly method, but also your expression as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I have been kind of entrepreneurial bent. I had a, I, I sold, I bought and sold baseball cards. Um, I had a lemonade stand. I uh, would, you know, try to, you know, find things and resell them on eBay. Um, but what I realized is- You stuck cotton you know, balls to your face? <laughs> yeah, I stuck cotton balls to my face. What I realized is I love the design. I love to build things. And I think to me, that's when I was like, I would love to write and create things that help people. Um, so I started a website called Work Happy Now back in 2008. And so I would, I went to Michigan and spoke to the uh, responders uh, that had dealt with the water situation. Wow. So they were um, in the ambulance, they were uh, people in the back office and man, they, it, it was rough. It was one of the toughest workshops I've ever done. And one person, you know, was like, you know, like, you're not the first person and not going to be the last person that is brought in here. Wow. And I was like, tough crowd, wow, <laughs> tough crowd is right. And, uh, and I realized like it wasn't quite aligned with what I wanted to teach people. I think most people, when they bring you in is like, Hey, teach my people how to work a little happier. And when re the reality is it's 99% mindset, like there are people that were happy that work there. Um, no, no, those situations perfect. But if you really focus on all the imperfections, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And then same thing as an entrepreneur is like, you can, there's a, a thousand things you could do each day, but where do you put your focus? And I think that comes down to really understanding your purpose and understanding your strengths and what you do well. Um, and using that as your spotlight, you know, like you, you, you don't want to, the stage to be filled with, you know, a hundred people the whole time and everybody talking over each other. The same thing as an entrepreneur, you want to be able to focus on the things that are really going to make that impact. So that and didn't so, do it for you. So like your first yeah. iteration of trying to bring the spirit of what was working for you in your life. Like, and I've been there. I had a company where we were, it's called Live With Heart. This is a gosh, it feels like a million years ago, 20 years ago. And we were going into hospitals and we were talking about burnout to people on their shift. Like we would go and teach to all three shifts in the hot or two shifts in the hospital. So we were like there at two o'clock in the morning on shift change. And, you know, it was powerful work, but it, you know, it was not enough to create a company on and it wasn't quite. So I, I know what you, I get, which I, I, I feel like I've lived this part of your story, <laughs> so, but it's hard to admit, like, this isn't it, you know, after you like build a brand and programs and all that stuff. Exactly. And that's when I, I started, cause I had a marketing degree. I created a, a company called Domino Connection. It was more around, um, AB testing and copywriting and sales pages, landing pages. And it was good. Uh, and I enjoyed it. And the company actually was growing. Um, but then a Fortune 100 company contacted me and I was like, okay, I can make just as much money, but I don't have to track down people <laughs> to like clients and like, and I was like, okay, yeah. So I went and did that. And then, you know, after that, I started Dig to Fly uh, or I started Bring Gratitude and it was, it was doing well, but I was like, this is something not quite right. And so when I went to dig the fly, that's when everything really started clicking because 
uh, when I, what I realized is I, I needed to help people with their mindset from beginning to end and give them a mental model because that's what so many companies are missing is just this simple process that you can use with your employees and you help guide them through a struggle. And that's when everything started working because it wasn't just me coaching people. It was me training people to coach others. And that's when I was like, oh, okay. So that's when everything kind of really came together. And so now, uh, you know, I do a lot of uh, training one-on-ones uh, virtually. And, uh, and then now I'm building out a, um, a group coaching program. And that's where it's really been fun because I think what we don't have in the workplace is we don't talk about our thoughts and emotions, especially in tech and healthcare. It is get grind it out, get it done. And it's sad because I don't know how many people who are listening right now, but when's the last time your boss asked you, like, what are you struggling with? And then helped guide you through that struggle. I can probably count on my one hand how many times that actually happened. And I think if we have a process for that, if we can like, hey, you know, Jane, let's sit down once a month. Let's, let me guide you through this stuff. And then what the idea is, you're teaching them to be able to process this themselves. You're not just having to sit down with them, you know, once a month and have, figure out their problem. They're doing it for themselves, much like my son, when he's, you know, struggling with something, you just need someone to help guide you through it. And that's all that is. And then the idea is they take action on it instead of you going to solve the problem for them. And I think that is what real leadership is. It's you helping guide them through it. You being, you know, Yoda versus Luke Skywalker. You want to, you know, as a leader, you need to show them how to do these things and then they can do it for themselves. When you were talking about work happy now, you said one of the things you felt like that didn't work about that was that you weren't utilizing it in your own life enough. Do you think that the success of Dig to Fly and your sobriety coinciding with that has helped the success, meaning you're walking your talk? in a, in a bigger way. At least that's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought of it in that way, but you're right. Like I, I stopped being afraid when I had a way to process my thoughts and emotions. Uh, procrastination was huge for me. I would try to, you know, during the workday, I would look at the news. Uh, I would look at social media and distract myself instead of doing the important work. And when I stopped doing that, or at least noticing it, I, I, I limited it, then it really started, things began to start working. And is because the focus work, the, the work that I did was much more intentional versus haphazard. Yeah, yeah, it just, it really stood out to me in you know the work that I do with entrepreneurs, I call them evolving experts. <laughs> it's like we know we're an expert, we know we're evolving. <laughs> you know, I I call myself an unmentor now because I feel like our healing and like doing walking our talk is central to the growth of our business. You know, so like when you said to me, you know, I wasn't utilizing enough of my own life, like that is like a you know, that is something that I feel like is for anybody listening that has a business, if you're struggling in any way, look to see where you're not walking your talk, you know, look to see where you need to dig deeper using your own modalities, your own philosophies, you know, there might be time to upgrade them because you need it for yourself. You know, I just, I just really come to see in a beautiful way, how our healing, so much of our healing is linked to that growth that's, you know, waiting to happen in our business, you know, that we are holding ourselves back somehow. So, I mean, I know just how freaking powerful sobriety can be at, from anything that we're using to numb ourselves out. And so I would imagine that it would really 
be an awesome boost to your business on multiple levels to, to have that, that removed from the, from your list of distractions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember I would tell myself, I'm only going to drink on weekends. And then it would start on Thursday. And then I'd also drink on Sunday night. And then sometimes it'd be like Monday night. And I was like, oh my God, like now um, I'm not drinking on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings. Like that's no, that's not like drinking just on weekends, you know? And I, uh, I realized I was like, okay, like I wake up with such headaches and fog that I gave myself permission not to work at the level that I could because I was like, well, I'm just recovering from a hangover. I'll do the bare minimum and get that stuff done. And then I'll do my work in the afternoon. Well, by the time afternoon came, like 1, 1.30, I get a few good hours in. And then, you know, I'd start to get tired because I didn't sleep as well. And then I gave myself permission not to work as hard. And so to your point is like, when I really started being more intentional and understanding like oh wow like you know this is my time I don't want to waste it you know like you know, this is, sounds corny but we have you've said other better... corny things already so it's okay right? <laughs> That's a, the show is about corny <laughs> gratitude <laughs> but I, I think if we look at life and we see how lucky we are I mean we have a better chance of winning the lottery 10 times in our lifetime and we have a being born like we have this opportunity to do all kinds of crazy fucked up shit that is so much fun and just <laughs> the other day I realized like you know what like I need to challenge myself to do something really hard that will make an impact in my business each month like okay for the next 30 days oh, I like that I'm only going to, you know, I'm going to put in at least 15 minutes of like, okay, you know, I want to get Joe Rogan on my podcast, right? If I get him on, other people are going to pay attention. Now, I'm not saying that's, that's the thing, but like, if I did, then like, okay, I, I gave it a shot. I've tried to do something amazing. And now, so those are things I'm doing. Actually, I, I, I've tried to reach out to Joe Rogan's people to see if I could get him on my podcast. And so awesome. it's, 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 yeah. And the thing is, is like, okay, it might not happen, but at least I'm trying and I'll yes. learn from it. And that's the stuff we need to do. Like we need to make these really crazy wishes and go for them, you know? Like, you know, what if, what if you got your product, you know, let's say you have a, lipstick or let's say you make hats or whatever and you got some famous you got brad pitt or you got angelina jolie or whoever to like wear it and then get caught in public and now you have this big boost but that's the stuff that scares us and then we're like oh no that's too hard i'm not gonna do it but that's the stuff we need to do to really take our businesses to the next level and I feel like it's what we need to do to enjoy life, to feel alive, to yes. feel adventurous, to like, that's what I'm, and I feel like it's part of your creativity too. It's like, okay, what can I think up next that's going to be challenging for me that scares the shit out of me? Okay, I want to do that. You know, I feel like yes. that's part of your nature. So I, 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 I love this. This, I think this is an awesome thing for our listeners to like, Okay, what like what one big freaking scary thing can I do each month or something, you know? And especially during a time where uh, you know there is some limitation on you know choices, like we need to be more creative with how yeah. to bring adventure. And so I love this. This has been an amazing conversation. I think you you know there's a lot of tools and a lot of suggestions and and a lot of real talk. You know, like adding Netflix to the list of things that numb us out. That's for reals. That is absolutely. You know, I, I for sure have noticed my, like, I can just, it's almost like flavors. Like I, I go in and I'll like watch something and then like, I'll, I'll switch to something else. And I could feel my frequent, like my whole energy change. And I could feel like, okay, it's time to get off the fucking couch. <laughs> you know, like I, I could, I'm so for the most part, you know, aware of 
when even when I'm trying to numb out, which I cannot do anymore, <laughs> I just I say I, I say I have a low tolerance for not being happy because I I don't have any vices. You know, I'm not numbing myself out. I know food was my main one, and I let that one go a long time ago. But I think there's so many nowadays like Netflix that are so socially acceptable. You know, work you know working and you know there that are that we really need to keep our eye out for where we numb out. So I, I appreciate. I appreciate being real about that. And yeah, so so in our just final minutes here, is there anything else that you feel like you want to share about what you learned from your struggle that you're applying now to your Dig to Fly mission? Yeah. It, what's really important, I think, is the things we do every single day add up, you know, and you you decide to, you know, focus on something else instead of the things that are really going to make an impact, you know, like, oh, I'm going to check the news real quick. I'm going to check Facebook real quick and 30 minutes distraction here, 20 minutes here, 10 minutes here, another 30 minutes that adds up and you are building these habits. If you aren't conscious of these habits that you're building, um, you're not going to be the success that you want to be because you're putting your time and energy into things that aren't going to help reward you as much as doing longer picture stuff. And so as you, you know, I would suggest people keep a journal. And one of the things I like to do at the end of the day is write down uh, what I did well because I struggle with my confidence for many years. And when I started writing down like, oh, like I wrote this really detailed email that outlined um, this, this, and this. Hey, great job, Carl. I reached out to somebody that scares me a little bit. Great job, Carl, you know, and I would practice patting myself on the back for the things that moved my needle. Nice. I'm not going to say great job binge watching, you know, <laughs> you know, castle for the past three hours or whatever, you know, the latest thing is. And I think that to me is like, I started then building that at the end of the day. And so when you go to sleep, that's the stuff that solidifies in your brain. So if you're watching action movies that you notice your, your dreams are very intense, but if you go to bed, you know, writing that in your, in your gratitude journal or writing things you've done well, and then, you know, practice that at least for the next like 30 days, you'll see a huge shift in your mindset and you'll notice like you, you won't be afraid to tackle problems that you have in your day. You won't go to that numbing place real quick because you're aware of it. And then you can make the choice that is that longer, more lasting choice that will move that needle for you. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I'm going to put this interview on my list of things that I did well today. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you should too. It was really great conversation. Thank you, Carl. It was great meeting you and uh, introducing you to my listeners. And I'm excited for them to, to get the free gift that you're sharing. And yeah, this was awesome. And my podcast too, Dig to Fly, if they want to check out. Joe Rogan. I <laughs> Coming soon, yes. Joe Rogan on Dig to Joe Fly. Rogan. Let's just set that intention. <laughs> All 2021. <laughs> awesome. Wait, yeah. we'll put a link yeah. for that to your podcast too in the show notes. Cool. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. All right, sir. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. I had a great time. Great job. Thanks. Well, that was super fun. I for sure have a renewed appreciation for the amazing tool of gratitude. And Carl is giving our listeners a printable dig to fly mental model worksheet and an audio of how to do it. He calls it his combo pack. So check out that link in the show notes. It really is cool shit. <laughs> and, and he does use me as a guinea pig in our after the show bonus video that our GFR squad members get, which is, I think it would be interesting to you to just watch me, who's done a lot of stuff and has a lot of tools, kind of have ahas through his model. If you don't have your 12 GFR commandments yet, that is step one in your GFR journey. Go to gfr.life forward slash 12C. And it's not a 12-step program, y'all. It's a 
check them out, pick one that sort of hits you between the eyes and really think about it, journal it, meditate it on it. Everybody that looks at the GFR commandments and the corresponding confession questions has an instant aha. So if you're feeling like you need a GFR right now in your life, just not sure where it is or how, the GFR commandments are your roadmap for getting real. So check those out. And if you have not subscribed to the show yet, please do. If this is your first time with us, welcome. Every story is just as amazing as this one and will motivate you on your successful, soulful journey of life. All right, y'all, over and out for now.